You're listening to the Brew Time Podcast. This is all about doing content differently. I'm your host, Fiona, and today I am chatting to Ellen Donnelly from the Ask. So the exciting bit about this, this is the first podcast that is brought to you in collaboration with the Happy Tea Company. The Happy Tea Company is a family-run business in Worcestershire that makes herbal teas, which are grown, the herbs are grown by British farmers. It's completely ethical, vegan, sustainable, plastic-free packaging, but most importantly, the tea tastes amazing. Go and check out the Happy Tea Company. I'm really pleased to be to be working with them and for this podcast to be brought to you in collaboration with the Happy Tea Company. So I will let you go and put pop your kettle on, grab your brew, grab your pen and paper, because this conversation with Ellen Donnelly from the Ask is going to be well worth the wait. So I'd known that I wanted to run a coaching business, I think, for about four or five years before I actually did anything about it. Um, and that was based on this knowledge that so many people were going around the world not knowing what work it was that they wanted to do or were capable of doing. And as a recruiter in my kind of old life, I'd done so many interviews with people drawing out their strengths, drawing out their talent, and seeing them ultimately end up job hopping or not necessarily really finding their feet. And that wasn't because of lack of skill or talent or passion. It was just because the jobs market is so challenging. It puts people into like boxes that you have to kind of um, almost let go of sides of yourself in order to, to find um, a job that you, you know, you're a fit for. And I think that there are so many people who are more capable than the jobs that they're in allow them to be. And, I felt like coaching was a way to support people to do that, whether that was start a business or find a side project or go into a new industry from their career perspective. Um, but as a kind of relatively young um, person in the world of work, I wasn't quite ready to start telling other people what to do um, at that time. I just knew it was sort of one day something I could latch on to. So Fast forward 2019, I found myself in the position I was just describing to you uh, for the second time in my career. Um, the first time I'd been through uh, like an 18 month sort of career change process to try and figure out how to be in a role that suited me. That lasted about two, three years. And then I found myself in the same position again. And this time I was like, do you know what? I think the employment route is not right for me right now. I want <laughs> to not keep finding myself myself in this position. So um, realized that the time was now to start a coaching business. Um, I ended up leaving a job sort of earlier um, than I'd planned to. And in that position of unemployment, essentially, I was able to sort of have the freedom to think bigger and clearer about what I could do uh, rather than just brushing up my CV and trying to find a new job. I thought, right, how do I build something for myself? So. I've been fortunate enough to do that for myself, you know, use my skills, my passions, what I'm excited by in the day to day and build a career and income around it. Um, but obviously with one employer, which is myself, <laughs> uh, finding clients, um, doing work that I love. So um, it was a fragile process. It took maybe six to nine months to figure out what that would look like, how I would make money. Um, so I think I'm about a year into doing it full time now. It, it's it's a push isn't it when you've got to make the money yourself there's nothing quite yeah. like that driving force behind you of I've got to pay these bills and no one's going to do this for me the safety net was gone and that was the real driving 
factor to make it work. And at the same time, we're in a global pandemic and there was all sorts of voices and concerns about the way that the world was going. But I saw bigger need than ever because there are more and more people being laid off, being unable to do the work that they thought that they could do. And I thought, well, at least I should offer free content or free services to some people right now and see if there is a demand. And I was really fully booked for a while, like with free calls, but even, even so it proved to me that the demand was there. Um, and it drove me to not, as I say, look for a job, just to keep kind of pushing through and figuring out the financials to, to work for myself. That's cool. And that's cool that you found that through free content because I guess a lot of people, well, the general consensus of thought out there is charge for these things don't give everything away for free but you've just said you've got work and tested proof of concept through giving stuff away for free yeah there's a degree of like practicing your craft as well that I think uh, early on in your business building journey I'm not suggesting people should work for free but if you have the luxury of testing a service with low fee paying clients or no fees then you can really get better at what you do so that by the time you want to and need to charge higher fees, you've really got a proven A, demand and B, program or series of things that you do with people that you kind of say, oh, this does work. Um, because I think that helps you get rid of the imposter syndrome or the fear that what you're doing isn't um, good enough or you're not ready because you can literally look back in your calendar and go like, oh no, I've got helped these people achieve XYZ already. Like I am doing this work. The next phase is just turn the volume up in terms of pricing and keep going, um, you know, to find what you need to do to be fully booked or to have an income that, you know, sustains you. But, yeah, if you can afford to work for free, at least for a tiny bit, I think it's a great um, place to, to kind of hone your craft. Excellent. And your passion definitely comes through because what attracted me, what, what had me find you was one particular blog and obviously I've, I've read through lots of your blogs and sign up to your newsletter now as well um but what it was is that you're saying stuff that not everyone else is saying and that your passion's there and they're really thought out pieces of content of long-form content and I'm just curious how you develop those ideas because at the moment you've got an eight, eight email series or eight blog series going on about starting your own business so how 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 have you come up with an eight-part series of around that one subject? And yeah, where do your ideas come from? Yeah, great question. Thank you for the kind words. So I've been writing the newsletter in tandem to the coaching. Initially, it was an expression of other things. I wasn't sure how or when to fit into coaching. Um, when I'm in a session with somebody, it's all about them. What are their problems, their needs, their questions? And I'm in a re reactive, responsive mode. So the newsletter was my own opportunity to have a creative outlet that I could say what was on my mind, not just on my clients' minds. But at the same time, there's a lot of input I get from coaching conversations that inspires me. Um, either I hear the same questions multiple times over or I connect the dots and what they need um, from a support perspective. And I know that there are thousands of people out there who need to work with a coach who either can't afford it, haven't found me, have a, other people that they're working with but who could still benefit from, you know, the knowledge or content that I'm putting out. So the newsletter is home for those things that don't fit neatly in other places. 
and in terms of where I get ideas as I say it's either through conversation I read a lot um, in the world of company building personal development starting an online business um, and then I spot themes you know what what are people saying what are they not saying um, sometimes I'll try and write a response to something I've read and then maybe I'll at the same time connect that to something else either I've written or someone else has written and I think it's like the merging of those worlds that almost generates new novel ideas um, that it's just a case of thinking about things more deeply and spending a bit longer on them that allows you to surface those thoughts. I've got questions about this because well part of it is it's about thinking deeper and the other part that I kind of get the impression from you is that you're taking people on this journey with you so you said you're giving people support with the free stuff presumably that's so that they can build up enough of the following to then afford your services at a later point yeah that's um a big driver you know lead generation i think it'd be um i'd be lying if i didn't say that there there's a big incentive to bring people into the, the mix and create clients and find your people you know some of my best leads are my newsletter readers because they think like me or they they think more deeply about things um than just somebody who saw me through an ad just for example I don't actually do paid advertising but you get this sort of distinction um but also there are other opportunities that come off the back of writing your thoughts online it's one of the biggest opportunities to to create um an audience like-minded people who you know you can connect with learn from as well uh you know you're an example of that so there are other things that it can lead to that are just interesting to get involved in um and I you know the percentage of people I can work with over the span of the lifetime I do this is so small compared to the number of people in theory I could reach through content so um yeah it serves ho hopefully multiple other purposes and um that's the journey that I try and both go on myself for my business, but also write and open up publicly about for other people so that if they're on that journey themselves, they can think through how content or writing online can support them in their own uh, ventures. So it's quite interesting because obviously the piece you're referring to is uh, almost suggesting you don't need an audience, but it's a bit controversial because I do. And, and I kind of think about it in different ways than maybe um, it being so black and white. I think there are dark sides to it as well. So how do you find, we'll come on to the audience bit in a second, because that is the, the thing that I found really interesting. But how do you find the space to have that deep thinking about things and to read so much and just process them and then, I want to say, give your point of view on them or your thoughts on them? Yeah, I think the habit has been a big one. I know that I have a weekly or bi-weekly newsletter coming up. So I store thoughts, ideas, journal um, in advance of that. I carve out a whole day or half a day to do the writing at least so that I'm not too rushed. Um, often I am rushed <laughs> the last minute. I kind of, I do the writing on a Tuesday and it goes out on a Wednesday. So sometimes I am still finishing it on the Wednesday, but at least I've had the overnight uh, time period to let anything sink in, reflect. Um, and then in terms of the reading, I am a big subscriber of newsletters. You probably are not uh, surprised to hear. And I just really follow what catches my attention. I'm quite intentional about unsubscribing to things where I don't feel like I'm learning anything new or the value is sort of diminished over time. And I try and find places that are, yeah, it, generating new ideas or different perspectives that you can't find um, elsewhere. So, you know, if you bring together things that 
people aren't necessarily bringing together, you'll automatically come to unique perspectives. Excellent. And uh, the other thing I really like about your articles is that you back everything up with examples and it's a, a real journalistic way of doing it. You've got more than one source for everything you write. Has that been intentional or is it just your natural way of working? It's probably a product of my history degree. So I did a, a three-year degree in history at uni. So that was very much, you have to back everything up with explanation um, with the source, um, you know, first or secondhand evidence. So I think that's just built into me uh, from that. But, you know, again, I put myself in my reader's shoes. What would they look to see? I think rather than unfounded statements or clickbaity things, I, I imagine that they're looking to see, well, what's the evidence here? Like, what what can I learn from this that, is true and sometimes you need to give them proof whether that's someone else has said this before or here's some um you know trends that i'm finding and so the the article that i found you through um i don't know if you felt like because basically my friend shared it in her newsletter and i was like this is amazing so then i shared it on linkedin um and then over the course of the next three weeks, I found it shared in like five or six other newsletters that I read. Your face suggests that you were unaware of this. <laughs> Completely unaware. Yeah. Did you, well, did you know how widely it was shared and how have you found the response to that article? It's really interesting, as you can see, I am shocked because whilst I can see the stats of views, you don't know when every, every time somebody's taken a link and put it, you know, in a community or a newsletter or like your LinkedIn I don't have access to that information and so I think that's uh, probably news for anyone who's putting things out there and thinks that they've got a small audience or it's not being seen you probably don't know the full impact of what you've put out there until you hear it from people like yourself now so I knew that it had um, some bigger responses than some pieces um, in terms of what was your question why is that or I don't know how did you find it have you because it's a controversial subject did you was all the feedback that you got from it positive did people argue back with you and say that actually no you really do need to build large audiences um I haven't had anybody say that they disagree at least to me directly and I would expect that that's because my article is fairly balanced although I have some stronger more controversial statements that overarching conclusion is like it's actually up to you whether or not you choose to build a large audience and be a personal figure or, or person like you know somebody with a big online pro profile or not and so there's not probably that much to argue with I think that it sparked interest and debate because I was pulling different parts of the puzzle together so there was this piece around like why women are um expected to have like more of a per perfect public profile than than others a piece around why bigger following doesn't necessarily equate to more income a bit around this sort of dynamic between uh, creators and their audiences where they, they think they owe them some kind of level of access to their lives and so in a way there were many articles or many points within the one post and so I think that some there's something in there for everybody who's building a brand or or has an online following because they're and touching on like concerns or thoughts that they probably have had but never really given themselves that much time to to explore them further and so I hope that that was a way of bringing more balance to the argument of whether or not to build an online audience it was like 
here are all the things you can consider reasons for and against and ultimately the conclusion was it depends and it's up to you um, what works but I think there's not that many voices that are online saying we need to question this and that's what really struck me and I think because I don't know if you've experienced this but what I see is there's a lot of people who are feeling very exhausted being online and are trying to shift away from being that person that's always constantly there have you experienced that yourself or with your clients yeah absolutely so I think there's a hark back to the olden times that people would probably love which is you know businesses done through word of mouth through networking groups through um traditional offline <laughs> businesses where you know you literally walk past the shop front rather than have to find it on your phone so I I understand why people are tired of it because we're not designed you know to be on the internet all the time we're not designed to never see our clients or our you know people face to face and it's such a unnatural world that we found ourselves in but it is so powerful and there's so much opportunity there because of the you know global reach that you can have that it's sort of like this necessary evil for most people um and I hold the word evil kind of you know lightly because it, again it has so many good sides to it but I think the burnout comes when you don't have a plan or you don't have a real goal around it. So if you're just told like you have to have an online presence, you have to be posting all the time. If you want to make your business work, um, you need a blog, you need Twitter, you need Instagram, you need TikTok. It's like that is overwhelming for a one man band. And if you have a plan and time limits to it, fine. But the reality is, is that these things suck up our time. The more you do it, the more you have to do it. And then you spend the time consuming content and being on like these platforms, just scrolling, but suddenly it feels so much more consuming than it should be. Um, and often people stop and realize that they haven't made a sale or they haven't actually created any impact through this process, but they've wasted countless hours and, you know, feel a bit numb by it all. So I think this is a call to, to tell people to take stock and really review whether it's needed in the line of work that they're in and if it is how are they doing it intentionally is there a plan uh, and do they really need the audience to just be bigger and bigger and online all the time or can they be a bit more strategic and post less but with bigger impact you know spend longer in the planning less in the execution I think that is the most perfect piece of advice right there in that the whole being strategic about it and put more time into the planning than the execution mm -hmm. and if everyone would take that advice that'd be amazing i think so many people would feel less exhausted by it and would get more we get more sales as a result meet more we'd enjoy it as well you know we'd enjoy consuming other people's content and being online because there'll be less noise and more thoughtful things to to consume that would feed you but the reality is that we think that we need to be on all the time. So people are just putting whatever out there and it's just a bit of a noisy, not very fun place to be sometimes. Do you think that there's like this sense of you must, you're starting out in business. So therefore you must create a personal brand and put yourself front of like everything when you start. But when you think about like agencies or businesses that you work with, it's not necessarily, yeah, you buy from people, but the founder isn't necessarily front of house, are they? Mm -hmm. 
I think it's the traditional business versus the more um, creator focused business that is more common today. So if you take a service provider who is a one person team, maybe they have freelancers or, you know, VAs that support them, they are their business and it can be more impactful to lead with your face, your name, because people understand the intimacy of the service they're being provided and they build a connection with the creator, so to speak. And therefore, they're probably going to have a better time building their business than if they came up with some generic word like Zoom. And, you know, people had to try and associate a new brand with a new logo and colours to this person's services when people, you know, we, we remember faces and names so much easier. But if you're building something that's bigger than just you and you're, you have got a team or you ha have a product, then I think that you should question how much of an online brand, a personal brand will really support you. Um, an example of that would be a client of mine who's building a jewelry tech business. My understanding is that people buying jewelry, whether his suppliers or their consumers, care about the way the jewelry looks. They care about the quality of service that's gone into it, the pricing, the, you know, how, how that jewelry looks and is packaged. I don't think that they really care about who the founder is, probably, unless the business already had some degree of success and then you want to learn a bit about the origin story. But for him to lead with him in that instance, is probably time is spent when he could be developing, you know, a product suite or collateral for the jewelry itself. So I'm not saying if you have a product based business, you don't need a personal brand. Unfortunately, it's not as black and white as that. But the question and the sort of point I made in this piece is it comes down to whether you are the business or you're building a business that is something else. And in coaching, for example, I kind of am the business people pay to work with me um, and it really that is a long-winded way of saying I think you do need a public presence if you are the business and you rely on sales for people to want to work with you specifically or customers or fans but if you've created a service or a product or your bigger team then maybe it's not a good time um, like a good time investment I guess that these are the business models that most people don't think about when they start out business. They start out with an idea and just figure it out as they go. And then you come along and fix all those problems that happens. Yeah. But I try and work with people before that point. I try and um, a lot of my clients are in the process of figuring out which kind of business model to build. And so we can leverage some of these questions and say, if this then that you know if you want this then we can do that or if you really hate this you don't have to do that like I've got a client the other day who deleted her Twitter because she was like thank god I've realized I don't have to be on Twitter <laughs> and it almost took me <laughs> telling her that she didn't need to be on Twitter to give herself permission so it, yeah it's interesting to know what stories people have told themselves about what they should be doing. I'm guessing that probably comes from the whole mass of generic advice online that people read and then try to apply to their own business, but it doesn't actually apply to their business in any way because the business model is different and what they're doing is different. Yeah, and obviously I'm biased, but that is where coaching and one-to-one -one services are so powerful because you don't get that uninterrupted, you know, dedicated time on your business. Um, anywhere else and free content and generic advice it, it can take you part way it can take you five percent ten percent 
you can fill in the rest. But if you work with a coach or a mentor on your business, just for a dedicated period of time, you can get to 70, 80% of what you need to know and then fill out the rest. So um, yeah, it's it's a word of warning when you see blanket statements, you must do this, you could always, you should always do this. It's like, they're probably trying to sell you something. <laughs> well, I think it was the bit about your, that, that and your blog about personal branding is linked together is because people are following these blanket statements and applying it to their personal brand and then getting exhausted trying to build these big online audiences that who knows if they need them mm. yeah and it only really time will tell maybe there is a point in time in the future where if you don't have an online audience your career is suffering in some way and and I can't say whether that's going to be the case or not there may well be a truth that it always serves to have an audience but I think the piece is uh, a way of so showing how there are other sides to that that you might not have considered we've touched on burnout um, you know the expectations I think anxiety and, and pressure to be a, like in the spotlight can be more damaging than the good that they can offer and so it does come down to knowing yourself how you're going to respond how much you need to do this and um thinking through options for how else you can grow your business because there are many many other ways we just don't hear about them as much because as I say we, we don't we're spending so much time online we're naturally going to be um targeted by other people whose products are online and often people want to tell you how to do what they've done and sell you services that um that they use or that they are you know affiliates for so there's a reason why we're always told to use certain things like Facebook ads because there's a lot of people building Facebook ad strategies <laughs> <laughs> that is so true it's so, so true the, the other thing that I like about what you do which I thought was very smart is you take your blogs and you put them on Substack as your newsletter rather than writing a completely separate newsletter and this works because it works like a magazine well, I look forward to getting your newsletters because I'm like I want to know what you're saying this week because they're so in-depth but um how important was it for you to, well, first of all, why did you choose Substack as your newsletter source and decide to do it this way? And how important is it to build that newsletter community as well? Because it does feel like a community and a discussion rather than you just broadcasting. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I'm back and forth on Substack versus other platforms at the moment. There's a real ease um, of publishing that Substack give you. I actually literally write it often on Substack. You know, it, the writing, editing uh, features are really good, better than Google Docs, for example. Um, and, you know, they, they make the user interface quite enjoyable for the reader, which I, which I like. You know, it takes the pressure away from figuring out HTML or whatever. I can just focus on the writing. I think that's the beauty of it. Um, I chose a platform completely on a whim one day uh start of the lockdown last year I just oh, I was going to post a newsletter and send it to about 10 friends and then decided to put it into a habit and then you know when you start to gain subscribers you sort of think well I'm stuck to this now um so for now it's Substack. um I won't talk through all the pros and cons because I'm not sure that's what people um want to know at this stage but I'm happy to chat to anybody who is considering them I've thought about it a lot as you can probably tell um and yeah I like what you said it, it does have that magazine like feel I, I hope that I've built it to feel like a product you know it's got images and um a tone of voice and the same start and end so you kind of get used to that rhythm of it um and then in terms of the community piece, 
I think that there's um, a bit of an opportunity there to help people connect their readership into communities without having to do a big launch and paid product. And that that sort of intersection is paying paying for um, content. Right now, my newsletter is free, but there is a potentially a world in which I could charge people to be paying subscribers and then they get to become part of a community. These are all kind of big questions that I'm trying to answer at the moment in my own business. I think that must be like an exciting thing to figure out at what point you take your community into being invested in you and at what point you leave it to be free and figuring that out as you go. Yeah, well, like you said, you know, there were five or six other people sharing that post the other day. That wouldn't have been the case if it was behind a paywall. So you have to, there's trade-offs. So more people equals less intimacy, less community, more eyeballs, less people equals deeper connection, but potentially more revenue. So it's um, those trade-offs. <laughs> there are trade-offs. Um, I also like the first email that people get unsigning up. It made me smile because... Your reply says you reply to each and every email, which you know, not normally when you sign up to a newsletter, you'll either get an automated one off automated reply and then you get the weekly off online email, or you'll get like a nurturing series of emails. Yeah. But yours is so personal that I think that makes a huge difference. How important is it to you that not everything in the process is automated? Really important. I would love for people who find me via my newsletter who then decide to work with me as their coach to feel like there's alignment in that process you know they've kind of laddered up the steps towards working with me and it didn't feel um like they were on some sales funnel the whole time it was that they've self-selected themselves in based on whether they think they're a fit and if they resonate with what I'm doing so their personalized touches are really important to me to start to build that connection um, and yeah, I really hope that more and more people will respond because I love hearing what people are doing, what they're working on. I'm super just excited and interested in people and what they've chosen to do for their work. So, you know, it's not a it's not a come find work with me now. It's just, oh, I want to know who you are. Like, tell me how I can help you. Sometimes it's a connection. Sometimes it's another newsletter I'll send them. So, yeah, I get some nice responses. Not uh, not that many people reply, but when they do it, it makes my day. What's the best response you've got so far? <laughs> uh, I think one lady wrote down all of the things that she's thinking about in terms of I've got this business idea, I've got this job and I've got these extra studies and I've got this baby on the way. And there were like four or five things that she was grappling with. And I felt like she was the archetypal person I wanted to help serve, you know, super ambitious, super passionate, but maybe has just one too many different things happening in order to make sense of them all. And I, although my newsletters are long, I do try and help people get clarity through what what they attempt to do. Attempt to do. So I was able to then help her with some questions to help her resolve some of her dilemmas as a result of her sharing that with me. Um, and she's now gone on to make a really solid plan for what she wants to do next. So I just loved her vulnerability and openness, you know, to share that with me. I think that's because you share as well like so for example this week's newsletter you were talking about all the different things you did when you were starting your business and that taking on the small jobs needs to be a viable option for people rather than just trying to fit it into your little cracks in the day because you're working full time. I was really impressed with that because I guess if you've come from 
a job where you've trained really hard and you've got to where you need to be and then you want to quit to start your own thing, the idea of going back and serving people coffee to fund your dream probably seems like a huge step down, but you made it seem like this is a good thing. Mm. Yeah, and just to caveat, I didn't actually do that, but I was sharing that I was really open to doing that and excited at a point in time because I would imagine sort of putting in those hours in a shift to then fund my dream and, and work on something without the stress. You know, if you work in a coffee shop or um, a bar as a part-time worker, not just, you know, not an owner or anything like that, but you really can leave the day behind when you go home. And I think that's untrue of many of the other jobs that we have today that they email you out of hours, you're thinking about them, you're problem solving in your evenings and weekends. And so my advice was like, hey, find something that you can really just get the bills covered for a bit and worry less about money, but free up your headspace to work on your business. And here's how I figured that stuff out for myself. Um, so, yeah. I, I really did like it. It's, um, a friend of mine had advice before for something completely different, but he, he had said um, money should never be the thing that stops you from doing something because if you want it hard enough, you will go out and get the extra jobs to earn the money to do the thing that you want to do and it's so true it's about priorities isn't it yeah if it's um if you're too busy for something often it, it's just not a priority and that's fine or like you say if you don't have the money that's because other things are more important but um they say if you give me an hour looking at your diary and your bank statement you know it can tell you what your priorities are it's, it's true where we put our time and money really does say what we care about <laughs> it absolutely does um and just going back to that thing on community, because when I was researching you, I realised you're in the Found and Flourish community, which yeah. I'm guessing is quite, I get their emails too, I'm guessing it's quite big because a lot of people I know are in it and say how great it is. Um, how has being part of these other communities been helpful to building your business? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, they each have a different tagline or, or thing that they offer for the most part. I think Found and Flourish have, one of them about you know removing the loneliness of working for yourself because you do know that you're plugged into this whole other group of women who are working on their own for the most part and it's funny because I've never felt alone building my business and that's probably partly because of these sorts of communities um they have access to trainings resources tools um you know you can go in the Facebook group and see what other people are struggling with you can ask questions so that really is just like an infinite pool of resources Lara who runs Found and Flourish is amazing quite close to her she's helped me with my business and like a mental capacity so um yeah it's a really great way to start I think for the most part when you're just getting started you can feel like you're an idiot you don't know anything and then suddenly you realize that everybody else is in the same boat <laughs> that's uh, that's good and I think that that it, I know it's not content related but I think that that really helps with like just feeling like you're not lost and there's other people things are always easier if other people are going through the same thing as you aren't they yeah someone said it really well to me the other day he said well if you didn't feel lost what would be the point you might as well be in a job and the point was like if you're working for yourself there should be unknowns it shouldn't be proven and a process to follow otherwise you're right you might as well be in a job so that's kind of the excitement of discovering things for yourself. And that's why I always say building a business is one of the biggest personal growth journeys you'll go on. And so get used to being uncomfortable. 
That's true. Um, what is the one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's feeling a little bit lost around their content? Yeah, I think it comes back to what we were discussing earlier on having a goal and a clear why. If you have a really clear outcome in mind in terms of I need a thousand subscribers for this reason, maybe you want to launch a product to them or maybe you want to test if what you're writing or what you're creating has a valid market, then that is a goal to work towards that will really kind of drive you when things are hard or when things feel slow. Um, so that would be one piece of advice would be have a goal. Um, and the second would be just patience. And that isn't just keep slugging it out, just keep consistently pushing the content out there without an end in mind. No, do it intentionally with a goal, but know that the, the wins take time. And if I, if someone had told me it's going to take you 15 months for your newsletter to get much interest, I probably wouldn't have bothered. So uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a process and it takes time, but then when it, when it clicks, the compound effects of that will keep growing. So given that it's taken you, sorry, that noise is my cat jumping in and out of the box. <laughs> given that it's take, taken you 15 months to get to the point where it's getting traction, um, has there been times along the journey where you've wanted to give up on the content and just focus on getting leads? No, and the reason for that, I'd say, is that I like writing. And that is probably something we could have talked about more today, actually, which is find a medium or an approach that you enjoy. And so if you hate writing, then probably you'll hate writing a newsletter. But it, but you might be great on live streams and you might have a little Facebook group that you put daily vlogs on and then suddenly members join. Or um, you might be really visual and you should do more on the visual platforms. So I would, again, work to your strengths. The reason I kept going is A, that I enjoyed it. B, I did have enough nice people saying nice things along the way, even though it didn't, you know, blow up. I at least had thoughtful comments quite occasionally of, oh, I really enjoyed that. That was really helpful, you know, and that was sort of spurring me on. Um, and I and I had a goal. I've always had a goal with the content. So I've kind of known, known my big picture. So are you always going to stick to written content or do you feel the need to build in other types like video content to supplement it given that you said that it's writing that you're, you're passionate about I think anything could happen it would definitely always have a strong focus on written just because it's uh, something I enjoy it comes naturally to me video uh, sorry uh, written content is easiest to consume for most people um, or at least it's the most searchable content on the internet um but no I mean there's I've been doing some mini interviews recently that are upcoming and I might post some of the videos or audio links in there fantastic cool well I've come to the end of my questions is there anything else oh, you wanted to like did this rarely happens because you've given me such wonderful answers and answered all like the extra questions that I've come up with along the way as well and uh, how can anyone find you how can they sign up to the newsletter where where are you hanging out online yeah like we've been talking about the newsletter is the main place to go so the ask.substack.com so that's two words the ask one word dot uh, substack.com and you can sign up there for free uh, and you can view all of my previous posts i don't know how many there are but it's been every other week for 15 months so do the maths <laughs> and um 
my website is the-ask.uk and if people are interested in working with a coach I have introductory calls we'll chat for 45 minutes about your goals your plans and see if there's a fit you know no obligation and uh, the, the way that I usually work with people is to help them figure out a plan for their business um, overcome any obstacles that are in their way from getting it started or getting it kind of to the point that they want it to be and then really holding their hand for three months to make all those things come true um, and it's yeah super fun I work with lots of um, entrepreneurs in all walks of life but typically lots of solo founders and people who are quite new to the company building journey. Excellent it sounds definitely like you that people need it especially if you're getting to them at that point before they're figuring out do they need to be a personal brand what kind of business model they need to be yeah that sounds awesome I'll stick all the links into the show notes so that everyone can find you through there as well lovely it's been super fun thanks for having me on oh my goodness thank you for your time I'm so glad we've had this conversation and I totally would love everyone to sign up to your newsletter because the writing is brilliant it's so well thought out and it's so rare to get a newsletter that is runs like a magazine that yeah I think it's amazing I look forward oh, to getting it yeah. oh, well it's coming out again on Wednesday and uh, yeah I look forward to hearing your thoughts I want to thank Ellen for giving me an hour of her time today it was so insightful she is such a lovely person and if you are looking to grow your business and to get some more of her insights please go and follow the ask definitely sign up to her newsletter it's so well written and yeah go, go and check her out and some of the brilliant things she she has to share with the world so yeah thank thank you Ellen thank you you guys for listening and um, again just to remind you this episode is being brought to you by the happy tea company they are a ethical and sustainable tea company that's growing herbs from British farmers and you can go and check out their shop and taste some of their amazing tea. The link will be in the show notes. And thank you to everyone and I will see you next time.